bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's Word. Let's get into God's Word. And uh, last week I talked about, uh, I preached on the topic, Create in Me a Clean Heart. And today we're going to talk about how to keep our hearts pure. When God creates in us a clean heart, we must keep that heart clean. We must keep that heart clean. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, Many times people give their lives to Christ or they make a decision for Christ and, 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 and they start the Christian life. But somehow, as they go along, uh, they get uh, contaminated again and things go wrong. And today we're going to look at how to maintain purity in our hearts. And next week we're going to talk about purity of thoughts and then we'll continue to clean hands. When we talk about a clean heart and a clean thoughts and clean hands, they refer to different aspects of our relationship with God and relationship with other people. And I think that today we'll have a little bit more clarity on what it means to maintain a clean heart. I'm going to start with a profound quotation from one of the early church fathers uh, known as St. Augustine. And St. Augustine lived in the year A.D. 354 uh, to A.D. 430. And uh, this is a quote he made in, uh, in his book, Confessions, um, which is quite an interesting book because it is an autobiography of his life in the world and how he encountered Christ and, and so on. Uh, and this is what he said. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And this statement tells us a lot about ourselves. It tells us a lot about our relationship with God. It tells us that in each one of us, God has created what is called a God space, or what I call a God space. God has made us for himself. There is a part of us that is seeking for God. And we would never find rest until that empty space that God has put within us finds its place in God. The only time when we can find true rest for our souls is when we rest in the Lord. And in seeking for God, there is a lot of restlessness. And people try to find God and fill that empty void through restless pursuit of different things. They pursue human endeavors. Sometimes we pursue wisdom. We pursue knowledge, we pursue wealth, we pursue pleasure, we pursue so many things 
to fill this place that God has created in our hearts. But there is no rest in us until we are complete in the Lord. Until we find completeness in God, we will find no peace in our hearts. And even after we get born again, we have to continue to know the Lord and continue to grow in Him until we find Him and He fills the real needs of our hearts. There are a lot of believers born again who still want to fill the emptiness of their life with money. Some want to fill it with pleasure, with sex, with fun, with entertainment, with knowledge, with wisdom, with education, with friends. And the more we try to fill our heart with these things, the more restless we become. The reason is because that empty space in you was not meant to be filled with anything else except God. And so when we talk about a pure heart, we are talking about a heart that has found its place in God. A heart that is at peace with God. A heart that is at rest with God. That has stopped seeking for other things to fulfill its need. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 20 and we will read verses 1 to 4. Exodus chapter 20 uh, is when God for the first time gives to Israel and to humanity what we now call the Ten Commandments. But as you would note later on, the commandments went beyond the initial ten to talk about so many other things, but these are the Ten Commandments. These are God's laws, and they are laws that in every human culture people accept as laws that represent high virtue, high morality. And in the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments are very interesting. I want you to listen uh, to them. It says, and God spoke all these, Exodus chapter 21 to 4, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first one. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And you shall not bow to them or serve them. There are two commandments there. First, the first commandment of God, you shall have no other gods. That's God's first commandment. In the world that Israel came out of, there was no notion that there was a one God because all nations and peoples served their own gods. Idolatry was the accepted practice. And it seemed normal for everybody to worship a different God. And in, those, in the world at that time, there were three categories of gods. There were personal gods, there were family gods, and there were national gods. So individuals had their gods, 
Then their families had their gods, and the whole nation had its gods. I think most of us can relate to that. Not too long ago, each one of you had your gods, your family had gods, and your tribe had gods. That was the world that Israel grew up in. And it was the accepted practice everywhere. But when God chose Israel out of Egypt, he began to speak to them about how this chosen nation would be different from the rest of the nations. How Israel was going to be different from Egypt or from the other nations around them. This is God's special people. And God says, if you're going to be special to me, the first thing I want you to know is that you have no other gods. If previously you, you had your personal God, you had your family God, you had your national God, you had your cultural God, if you want to be my special people, you have no other gods. That's the first law. The second one is similar to the first. He says, don't worship any other image or likeness. Don't carve a substance and worship it. Don't look at a physical object like the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the rivers, the sea, trees, stones. Don't worship them. So God I have no other God and you shall have no image and worship that image. Two laws. In the days of Israel, and I think that most of us Ghanaians and other Africans can easily relate to that, idol worship was part and parcel of the life of the people. If you talk to the people, they would say, this is our culture. This is the way of our fathers. This is what we came to meet. Everybody does it. The Philistines have their gods. The Egyptians have their gods. The Hittites have their gods. The Amalekites have their gods. Everybody has their gods, so we must also have their, our gods. And if everybody has their gods, then everybody is the same. We are all approaching the supernatural through our own gods. But God says, for this nation... It's not going to be everybody trying to be spiritual through their own means and through their own gods, but they must re remember that there is only one true God. His name is Jehovah, and you shall have no other gods beside Jehovah. If you say you are a Christian, you must subscribe to that. Not your family God, not your national God, not your personal God, not your cultural God, but Jehovah. And if you read further, God was very particular about this. And he told Israel, the reason why I'm taking you to the promised land and evacuating people from that land to give it to you is because they have worshipped idols. And if you go and do that, I will take you from that land and disperse you. And the reason why Israel went into captivity was because they couldn't keep Jehovah as the only God. 
I just believe that if we do the same, we cannot inherit the blessings of God. If we're going to be children of God, we must have no other God beside Jehovah. Psalm 24. Psalm 24 is one of our theme verses for this year. And I have quoted a bit from it. But Psalm 24 verse 3 to 5 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy places? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. There are two kinds of uh, uh, dispositions that are described here. The first one is a pure heart. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has a pure heart. And who is the person who has a pure heart? He further describes a person with a pure heart as one who has not lifted up the soul to idols. The one who has not lifted up his soul to idols. And then he describes the second group, the clean hands. And clean hands are those who have not sworn deceitfully. Not lifting up the soul to idols talks about totally devoted to God. Totally devoted to God. Not swearing deceitfully is living by the word of our honor. Dealing honorably with people. Clean hands has to do with people a pure heart has to do with God. Clean hands, people. Clean heart, God. Our hearts for God. Our hands for people. So when we talk about these, clean heart, we are talking about God. But look at how he describes it. He who has not lifted his soul to idols. He who has not lifted his soul to idols. So to keep our hearts pure, we must keep our hearts from idols. If we're going to keep our hearts pure, our hearts must be kept from idols. Now, I grew up in a family that was pretty Christian pretty Christian. And I've, I've said it many times, my mother was a very devoted Christian woman. She was born in the church, raised in the church. Her mother was born in the church, raised in the church. Her grandmother was born in the church, raised in the church. So I have several generations, at least four or five generations I know of that were raised in the church. But before my mother got born again and gave her life to Christ, I remember when we were children, her heart was restless seeking for God. And she would take us children to places with, with, with a, I'm sure with a lot of sincerity, hoping to provide spiritual sanctuary, safety, security for her children. Her heart was restless. But she was born in a Christian home had a Christian name, Christian family. We have a lot of 
priests in our family, church organists in our family. But I remember she used to take us to places and we went to all kinds of places. Some places we remove our sandals to go and worship. And I will never forget when I was a young boy, I had a, just been bought um, what we call chalewate now. Red. I remember it so well. Very nice red chalewate. And we went to this place and were supposed to pray and, and they didn't allow slippers into the sanctuary. So I left my red chalewate outside. And I will never forget when I returned from the presence of the Lord and uh, somebody had uh, been led to remove my chalewate. But she was taken to us. We'll go to places, we'll drink things, and we'll be giving special pomades to wipe ourselves, clean ourselves with, or, or anoint ourselves with. And we're supposed to eat this and not to eat that. And then we went to other places where uh, they would cut us and put black powder into the wound and, and all kinds of things. And she was a Christian. She was raised in the church until one day she gave her heart to Christ. And she says, from this time onwards, there is no other God for this family except Jehovah. So you can find people who were raised Christians but who do not believe Jehovah is enough. And there are people who haven't even been born again still believe they need something else. And I'm going to show you some of the things that the face of idolatry. If we're going to live pure and our hearts will be pure, then the only God who fills our heart must be Jehovah. A pure heart. Now let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. Ezekiel. How does idolatry start? Now this is Ezekiel speaking to some of the leaders in Israel. He had told them about what was going to happen. They were going to go into captivity and a return and all of that. And they came to him seeking for God to intervene in their situation. But listen to Ezekiel's response to them. Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. Now remember these are elders of Israel. Israel is supposed to be a godly nation. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. They have set up their idols in their hearts. So how does idolatry start? First, it starts from the heart. Idolatry does not start with an object. It does not start with a demon. It does not start with a carved image. It starts from our heart. It starts when our hearts grow cold towards God. It starts when we want to fill that space in our hearts that only God can fill with other things. 
Sometimes for a, somebody who has even given their life to Christ, they find that their heart begins to grow cold to God and they begin to fill the empty space in them with humanism, with human knowledge, with wisdom, with science, with education, with intellect and thinking, if I can get so much knowledge, I will have peace. In the heart, you cannot fill God's space with human knowledge. Some fill it with materialism, money, acquisitions, possessions, property. Some fill it with pleasure, with fun, with drugs, with sex, alcohol. And they believe, oh, if, if I can go to enough parties, oh, I will be happy. For some of you, you don't have an object you're worshiping, but the place in your heart which your heart is restlessly seeking for, you filled it with something else. Because some of us will come to church all along, but we'll go home and fill our hearts, not with God, some with alcohol, some with drugs, some with sex, some with fun. And all our heart's pursuit is for those things. There are people who will come to church today, but before then Saturday, they were filling their hearts not with God, but with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with pleasure, which had no God in it. You may not have an image hiding under your pillow, but idolatry has already started in your heart. Your heart is turned from God, and the place that God must fill, you have filled it with something else. If you want a pure heart, then the only person that fills our heart and gives us rest for our soul must be Jehovah. Not whiskey, not beer, not cigarette smoking, not marijuana, not cocaine, not heroin, not sex, not money, not land, not possession, not cars, not clothes. So let me ask you a simple question. What have you filled your heart with? What are you restlessly pursuing? Ezekiel says to them, the problem is that your heart is full of idolatry. Our hearts will find no rest until they find a rest in God. And until that time comes, we'll be restless. And that's why no matter all the fun you say you have, you're restless. You sit at the party and you're having fun and you're drinking and you're moving about and you say, oh, we're having a party and you go home and you are miserable. You stay with that boy, with that man, with that woman, with that girl and you say, oh, you're having fun, you're having pleasure and you drive home and you are empty because you want to fill God's space with something that is not Jehovah and you will always be restless. Idolatry starts from the heart. Secondly, idolatry leads to sin. 
when you fill your heart with things that are not God, sin becomes consequential. You become prone to all manner of evil practices. When you fill your heart with human pleasure and satisfaction, you release yourself from God's standards. And from then on, anything is possible. God, when you remove God from the human heart, any sin is possible. Sometimes we see people do things and we say, ah, I wouldn't do that. Ah, how can he do that? Ah, how can they do that? When God is not in your heart, anything is possible. Don't look down on those people as if you are some super spiritual person. The only way you can stop from getting to that level is to make Jesus the center of your life. Idolatry separates us from God. Idolatry will eventually take us away from God's will, from his presence. It will take us from the light and lead us more and more into darkness. If we want to keep our hearts pure, we must keep our hearts from idols. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.